Today's episode of the Hot 4 podcast is brought to you by Brewman version 7, the brand new web-based version of the UK's number one brewery management software used by over 250 breweries. Brewman version 7 has been completely rebuilt to combine the features and functions that have been developed alongside their brewery customers for 20 years with new modern interfaces and intuitive controls that can be accessed through your browser on any device. To find out more, visit the website at premiersystems.com. That's premiersystems.com. You guys could introduce if you want. So I'm at, I'm, I'm Adam. <laughs> not Adam, I'm Dan. <laughs> <laughs> and I may be Dan, but I'm not too sure. Um, that would have been so professional if you'd have remembered your own names. <laughs> no, the basics. Oh my word. <laughs> no, it's fine, it's fine. I'm Nick Law. And you're listening to the Hop Forward podcast, getting you ahead in the brewing and beer business. Hop Forward is a weekly podcast dedicated to the craft beer industry, featuring interviews, discussions, and stories from the whole brewing supply chain from grain to glass. So grab yourself a glass, pour yourself a beer, and get ready to hop forward in the brewing and beer business. You couldn't plan that intro, could you? <laughs> Hello, Hopheads, and welcome to not just another sesh on the Hot Forward podcast, but a brand new season. When I first launched this podcast back in November 2018, I had absolutely no idea whether anyone would tune into it, let alone give a flying one about what I've got to say. Since then, I've had the privilege of visiting breweries, both big and small, uh, learning from some of the best minds in the world of beer, uh, being nominated for various awards, none of which I've won yet. And most importantly, I've had the privilege of journeying alongside friends near and far as they traverse their own paths, growing a beer business with all its ups and downs along the way. Two individuals I've had the pleasure of getting to know are Adam Franz and Dan Hunt from Heist Brew Co. here in my home city of Sheffield. Back in September 2016, I had an email from Adam and Dan, who at the time ran an export business, taking an interest in my brand, Emmanuel's. Adam and Dan seemed keen to explore exporting it to the American market. I can only imagine the rebuttal from conservative evangelical Christians across the Bible Belt if they ever had the opportunity to encounter the risen Christ on front of a beer bottle. Sadly, it never got that far for various reasons, and Adam and Dan had greater plans up their sleeve. Taking on an old school building in Clown, a quiet ex-mining Derbyshire town, Adam and Dan set up Heist Craft, a microbrewery, bottle shop and bar. To say that this venue, which was located a bit of an inconvenient distance from the cast beer mecca of Sheffield or the progressive craft beer scene of Nottingham, Heist Craft would still often be found packed to the rafters with locals who had discovered craft beer for the first time. Heist continued to grow in popularity as they collaborated with breweries from across the UK and Europe, such as Norway's Austman, Budapest's Horizont Brewing, and a little closer to home, Full Circle Brew Co, Northern Monk and Alphabet Brewing, to name but a few. Things really did seem to be on the up for Heist, who were moving to purchase the building their brewery and bar were housed in, this beautiful old schoolhouse right in the centre of town, until they encountered problems with the owner. 
After much wasted time, effort and money, the newly rebranded Heist Brew Co vacated the premises as the sale fell through and looked for a home a little closer to Sheffield. And this is where we pick up the story of today's podcast. While Heist Brew Co have recently opened the doors to their 30 draft line tap room and brewery, which also houses food vendors Slap and Pickle, arcade games and a grabbing machines with prizes to be won, I kid you not, the journey to this point has been anything but plain sailing. Renovating a derelict building during a pandemic and investors which pulled out almost saw the end of the Sheffield-based brewery before it ever even really began. But as anyone who knows Adam and Dan will testify, these two entrepreneurs are pretty tenacious when it comes to fulfilling their dream to see an American-style tap room set up in the Steel City. If you're unfamiliar with Heist Brew Co, you'll often find them doing the rounds at various beer festivals across the UK and beyond. But I wholeheartedly recommend a visit to the budding Neepsend area where the brewery is located and seeing it for yourself. In the meantime, I suggest you head back all the way to episode one of the Hot 4 podcast and tune in to hear some of the backstory behind Heist, their ethos and their journey to get the fullest picture of Adam and Dan, where they're coming from and what Heist is all about. I had such an amazing time visiting the brewery and catching up with their new brewer, Scott, who works at Abbeydale Brewery and getting to meet the other members of the team and just seeing it. You know, I've known these guys for a long time and seeing how it's flourished has been an absolute privilege. It's been amazing. Coincidentally, two of the last people I recorded in person for the Hot Forward podcast whilst on a train to BRX in Liverpool last March were Adam and Dan doing a little segment of Brewers Read Mean Tweaks. And it was great to be able to go in person with my gear and record a fresh episode of this podcast. I can tell it's been a long time using my Zoom H1N because I took it out of its case and it was really sticky from beer sminge that I'd evidently not cleaned since BRX last year. So I'm hoping over the coming months to be able to do more in-person podcasts again. Part of the thing I love about running this podcast is actually going to meet people. But in keeping with my busy life, my family, running my business and brewing my own beers, I'm going to keep doing the Zoom interviews because, you know, I can just access people from across the whole world, the entire spectrum of beer from the magic of my computer. It's amazing. So having said all that, like I said, go back and listen to episode one of the Hot 4 podcast to get some of the backstory. And I really, really hope you enjoy today's episode with Adam and Dan from Heist Brew Co, talking all about the journey they've been on over the last 18 months, from a derelict warehouse to one of Sheffield's best new breweries and venues, all in the middle of a global pandemic. If you're a fan of Hot Forward, please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever it is that you tune in. Leave us a review because that helps other brewing and beer professionals find us. Follow us on all the socials at Hot Forward Beers. And check out our website, hotforward.beer, for more ways to help you get ahead in the brewing and beer business. Finally, make sure you visit our sponsors this week. Today's episode of the Hot Forward Podcast is brought to you by Brewman version 7 the brand new web-based version of the UK's number one brewery management software used by over 250 breweries. 
Brewman version 7 has been completely rebuilt to combine the features and functions that have been developed alongside their brewery customers for 20 years with new modern interfaces and intuitive controls that can be accessed through your browser on any device. To find out more, visit the website at premiersystems.com. That's premiersystems.com. I'm here at Heist Brew Co. in Neepsend. You guys were episode one of the Hot 4 podcast. We were. That's insane, isn't it? To say that you've come from Clown, you know, in that it was an old school building, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah so the Clown, Clown Venture was a little bit different where we sort of cut our teeth in the industry. Um, but yeah, this move to Sheffield is something we've always wanted to do. And we finally, after two years of building, finally managed to open. <laughs> Amazing. So Adam, do you want to just talk a little bit about, just describe where we're at and so on, then we'll, then we'll jump back a bit in time and look at the journey of how, how you got here. Yeah, um, the, the building that we're in, um, it's sort of like a factory warehouse. Um, it's probably been all sorts over the years. One side's 18th century, one side's 19th century. Okay. Um, as you can probably imagine, loads of things loads of issues come with buildings such as that, but it's been uh, steelworks. We found like really old spoons and forks and knives on site. Uh, it's been a place that uh, makes generators. Uh, it's been involved in fabrication. Um, so it's got a bit of a history about it. There's an old crane, probably from the 18th century in the 18th century side. Um, and there's a brand new crane in the other side, which is a bit more heavy duty, a bit larger. Um, and yeah, the, we've tried to keep a lot of the character in the building. So Expo's brickwork, uh, the steelwork, which has all been repainted. Uh, we've kept the cranes in the building. And um, we've built the bar out of bricks to match. And um, we've got the concrete tops to look like it's coming out of the floor. Mm. Uh, the bricks coming out of the walls. Um, and yeah, we've just tried to work around a lot of the character in the building. Yeah, and obviously you, you buy the river as well, I guess in the old times with the cranes and stuff you get the some boats coming down and loading and loading uh, do you think I, that happened i don't know done back in the day or they, there's too many like um well there's a weir just and not far down yeah the there's river one that way as well isn't there yeah um because we, we did think about replicating something that we saw in the us with a uh, rubber dinghies on the river oh, yeah. so you could have a beer and float down it but <laughs> you'd only get so far before you uh, ended up in trouble yeah. plus that river does stink <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's not somewhere you want to float down no. yeah this site you know back in 2007 there was the sheffield flood wasn't there so you've got this amazing tap room and brewery now i mean d does that concern you at all being on on the river and particularly with the way that <laughs> <Definitely>. <laughs> i mean it was only was it last year the year before where the water was getting pretty dicey wasn't it, it was getting quite high yeah there was it, two, two it, occasions just after we signed the contract so yeah where yeah it did get high it didn't quite breach the banks but we have had a story from a guy that comes in here used to work in here when it was uh when they were making generators right 2007 floods the water level got to 1.6 meters inside this tap room oh my word but they have done a lot of work since sheffield council um and the one the flood that happened last year wasn't too far off the amount of rainfall and it didn't breach so yeah we're just we're just hoping our insurance obviously think it's a massive risk because uh they won't insure us for floods so yeah goodness i mean i remember when i was at sheffield brew which is literally just for the listeners the benefit about 
five or six hundred yards in that direction. And I remember Tim showing me the photos of what it was like when they had that flood and how with the fermenter room and conditioning tanks being downstairs in that cellar, like the water came up several feet, but then it didn't quite reach the, the tanks themselves. You know, those horizontal tanks yeah, they've yeah. got. And, and so, you know, your, your valves were free but um, they still had to dump everything. So yeah. like, well, there's, mm. there's water that's coming. I don't care how much of a near miss it is, you've got to dump still it all. a massive delta risk. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, to just describe for the listeners, um, you know, the space we're in and the, you know, the, the massive amount of tap lines you've got and the brewery itself. Yes. So, is it seven and a half thousand, eight thousand square foot? That, uh, yeah, eight and a half thousand square foot. So split up into three rooms. So we've got the, the brewing side. So we've had a little bit of an expansion since we uh, moved from Clown. We've got sort of the second overspill slash private hire slash mm -hmm. what we figured out is really good. It's sort of like a lounge and quiet area for a weekend. So if you want to just come and drink beer and have a conversation, that's been used really well for that. Um, and then we're sat in the main room at the moment, uh, which has got the kitchen. So we've got the guys from Slap and Pickle. Um, we've got uh, sort of an arcade and there's seating in here for about 150 people. Uh, but yeah, as far as tap lines goes, 30 taps on there. We're splitting it sort of 50-50, so 50% heist and the rest is rotating guests because sometimes it's just nice to have a bit of a variation if we're not necessarily got a certain style brewed. It's quite nice so people can come in and experience that or compare them. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much and we've got a nitro line, if uh, Chris Leonard from Left Hand is listening in. <laughs> <laughs> so with all those taps, I mean, that's, that's a lot of taps to have on. Um, I mean, it's probably the, the most amount of keg taps in Sheffield, am I, am I right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. One, one bar. So, I mean, did, like, how, how do you manage that in terms of volume and throughput? And we talk about uh, the pipes that are coming down as well, because you, your cold store is quite a way away. One of the things I mentioned earlier was like, just, you're not getting breakout or anything. So, I mean, just, just talk about that rotation and what that's like. In, in fairness, so the, the way it's set up at the moment is kind of a temporary solution. Right. Um, so what we've always wanted is direct draw system anyway. But in order for that to happen, we needed to get to a position where we expanded the brewery because by the time we bolted on a big cold, sort of cold box somewhere, we lost a lot of space, we'd have lost that room. So the plan is, was always been to turn that second room into um, expanded brewing capacity. Right. And then what we'll do is we'll remove that second bar and turn that into a big cold box, cold room, and serve straight from there, straight through, uh, straight through the wall. Right, I see. Um, but at the moment, it's not too bad. It's two, two and a half pints in the line. Uh, it's chilled throughout. We're not getting any issues, really, with any fobbing. Um, Simon Rose at the Dinosaur has been very, very good. And yeah, we've had, we've had very little issues in terms of that. Um, but yeah, rotation is the one thing, obviously with 30 taps, you think it's gonna be a bit of an issue, but we're sort of pushing that sort of, trying to push like thirds, tasters, flights. So people are getting a taste of beers they might not necessarily normally drink. And it seems to have worked quite well so far. In fact, we've had no lines sat there. Everyone's gone through at least one change. Mm -hmm. Uh, the biggest pain, obviously, is line cleaning. <laughs> so I came in last Tuesday um, before service at half three in the morning, and I finished at half eleven. So it took some time. Wow! But that's mainly because we're using the cellar as the cold saw for the brewery, so <laughs> there's no room to manoeuvre in there. Yeah. Uh, 
but yeah, it's just just a case of getting used to that and putting processes in place. Yeah. But on the uh, on the plus side of that, we're going to do Crowler Fill Tuesdays, so yes. you can buy a mystery pack. So uh, to save any of the wastage, yeah, uh, it'll all go into Crowlers, and we'll do uh, yeah like a Crowler uh, Crowler Club on Tuesdays. So nice. you can come in and, uh, and try that. And I mean, how have you found it this side of? I don't want to say the pandemic because we're still in it, but I mean like lockdowns and stuff. You know, I mean this is the first in-person podcast I've done since, as I said, since BRX. So, um, like, how have you found the appetite for people coming back out? Have you, have you found that people are tentative still, or are people like chomping at the bits to get out to places like this? I think people are keen to get back out again. Definitely, um, we haven't really been open long enough to, to gauge it yet. Right. Um, but we've certainly had a response on socials, asking when we're open, um, if they can book in. It, it's, it's been a really good response. Um, so it's kind of given us a good indication that it's going to go well. Um, but yeah, we've, we've been open officially five days. Yeah, five days, is that all? Yeah, I think there's definitely a degree of people wanting to be cautious and people aren't going to be just going out in their droves like they were. It's going to be a little bit of a, I think, a build-up to that. Uh, but overall, it's, it's, been, it's been good. I mean, we've got a lot of space here, so it's quite easy to facilitate quite a lot of people safely. We've got a I mean, massive like, air recirculation and filtration replacement system. But luckily, with the pandemic and us being out for so long, we were able to plan for all this. And right. um, yeah, it just became part of the plans pretty early on, okay. just in case anything happens. So is that, because I know uh, I heard Paul from Cloudwater talking um, about that at Unit 9 before, is that, is that some, a similar sort of system here? Similar sort of system, um, it's, it's, a ma- as I said, it's a massive space, 12 metre ceilings, but it's that air replacement and yeah, just ensuring that there is that circulation. Yeah. Um, so there's been various studies on, on that. It wasn't necessarily the reason why we did it in the first place, more just to bring fresh air in, but it works quite well. Yeah. And so we're speaking to the guys that did the install, they said everybody's having this installed now. Right. So we had it sort of pre-ordered, they go, you can't get hold of them. Yeah, so, yeah. amazing. So, I mean, take us back to um, the, the last days when you are in Clown, because the, the, the last time you were on the podcast, which was, I think it was November 2018, that's when it first came out. Obviously, you, know, you were in that place, it was, it was seemed to be going really well like just bring bring us from that point up to like finding here and the plans or, or moving to Sheffield that is and um, how, how that transitioned why you left clown right up to the point of the pandemic and then maybe we'll, we'll d- discuss that separately about how you managed to weave your way through all that whilst trying to build this yeah. so go back to yeah, it, yeah, end of 2018, I think, when you last, last visited, we were just about to start brewing um, for the first time. That first year was a bit, bit mad, obviously, we, first time sort of commercially brewing and getting stuff out there and running it through the tap. I think what we noticed pretty early on, though, is that in order for a brewery tap room to work, it does need to be in an area where you're getting enough people coming and visiting. Mm. So 90% of our beer went out on wholesale uh, to trade. Because of the customer base we had, and we sort of, I don't know, maybe built this culture that try, try different beers when they're on, and you've got a limited number of people that are coming in, even though you've got a fair few. When you're putting your own beer on, they've had it once, twice, three times, and then they want the next thing. So we very much had to focus on the wholesale side of things rather than um, selling on site. 
so Sheffield was always the place that we wanted to come to. It was obviously cost and all that sort of thing was the big barrier when we first started up. We just thought the catchment area here for people who are interested um, in the product that we're producing was much larger. So we were able to we're able to create that environment where people can come in and they can drink the beers that we're brewing on site. And again, it's not 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 a load of options for that in Sheffield. Some really really good pubs and all that, but uh, the, as far as the tap rooms go. Uh, th th there's a few few around, definitely, but I think, feel like it probably needed just a just something a bit different. So, uh, I mean, you chose this place, and as I said before I hit record, I drive by here on a regular basis and see this pretty much a shell of a building with rusted beams and everything, and you've managed to transform it into this. Like, what? Just, I mean, take us through that process because that's pretty nuts. So th this place was. Pen for demolition. Um, about seven years, it'd been derelict for ten, and it had been penned for demolition. Um, the whole reason this building came about is we were looking at quite a number of places in Sheffield. Um, the most recent to this was um, the old Kit Locker building oh, right, um, okay, yeah. next to Peddler Market, yep. and. The, the guy that had been showing us around a number of places in Sheffield um, had that on his website, so we went to have a look. Uh, we put in a bid, but um, the agent didn't know that there'd already been an agreement put in for that. So the, the landlords felt a bit bad um, that they'd let us down, and they said, we've got another property to show you, um, which I think you might be interested in. And brought us round here um, with all the external render falling off the front of the building, um, big steel door that you had to kick to get in, um, spray paint all over the front. Trees growing inside. Yeah, I mean, it, as soon as we walked in, we were just like, what the hell are we supposed to do with this place? Um, but then it became a bit more appealing when they said that they'd do as the, uh, they put a brand new roof on it and they'd sort out all the cladding. So they've pretty much done the external shell. Right. Um, we just had to do the internal fit out. So it was a case of me and Dan sitting down and working out whether or not it was actually actually viable. And yeah, I think it took us about three or four months from coming to see it in September to actually give them the go-ahead to the landlords to do the work. So that all happened in January 2020. Yeah. And they sorted their works out to start in March 2020. Hmm. And a day before national lockdown, the roof came off. <laughs> oh my word. Yeah, it was. And the roof never went back on until October 2020. No, it finished in December. Yeah, it Shanked. finished it in December, but in October. Yeah. yeah. So what, what was that like then when all of a sudden, you know, you'd, you'd signed the lease for this place, you know, you'd, you'd kind of start to picture it in your mind's eye of it becoming an actual reality and then all of a sudden it's kind of like oh this thing that was over there in china you know all of a sudden is like here i think it's well, like a lot of people though at the beginning you just think well it's a few months and we we might be all right we'll see how it looks you see the lockdown happening you start to see case numbers starting to drop you get towards the summer you're like that's not too long to wait started doing pop-ups and everything looked good and obviously Soon, soon starts to dawn on you that yeah, this this isn't going away anytime soon. Yeah, when it all kicked off in March, we we were selfishly thinking, well, actually, this might do us a favour. In a matter of months, we'll be open in July, we'll get all the works done, um, 
and yeah, literally nothing happened because of national lockdown. Um, in fact, I even agreed to have my hair cut. <laughs> um, for, yeah, for, for those guys listening, I've now got a, a luscious head of hair. Blonde um, I was supposed to have my hair cut a week before lockdown. And it's like I said to Dan, from the <laughs> I won't have my hair cut until we're open, thinking it'd be a matter of months. Um, and we have only just opened the doors nearly 18 months later. And you'll notice he still hasn't cut his hair. Yeah. No, I've got used to it now. Don't know how to plait it now. So. <laughs> Man, that's, that's insane, you know. So what, when, how did it feel then when, you know, the roof was on and you started fitting it out? Like, surely that must have felt great. There was a, there was a three month period after the roof finally went on. The landlord still had work to do in here and it, felt like it was never going to get done to the point where at one point I think we were looking out to liquidate the business because just nothing was moving. Uh, we were struggling to get contractors. We, we lost our investors. Yeah, we lost our investors. And that was over oh, the okay. course, uh, over sort of the Christmas period to the beginning part of this year. So we were in sort of panic mode taking this on. And um, yeah, at, at that point, we just didn't know what was going on. But then everything sort of just fell into place quite Yeah, it, it's quite literally quickly. been a... <laughs> A, a whirlwind of emotion. Yeah. So I didn't realise the investors pulled out. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, how did you plug back? Because I know you guys crowdfunded. Is it, was that to plug back gap or? Pretty pretty much, yeah. Um, we we put that out on socials. Um, not sure of the response we'd get, but we, we had a lot of uptake. Um, the, the customers that we had in Clown, people that have supported us um, as a brand were really receptive. Um, so yeah, we were very fortunate in that respect that we managed to pay for a lot of things that we, we wouldn't have otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. And to be fair, when the first lockdown hit, we were still operating as a delivery service. I think the first thing we did was set up the online store and we were up and running the following day. Yep. Uh, so we did manage to build up some funds in the background that kept us going. And yeah, it was... But then it was a kick in the teeth from... Um, the point of view that we we weren't eligible for any sort of grant or funds um, because we didn't officially have the lease. Yep. We were just doing the work on the building. Um, because it was a strange time anyway, um, the landlords let us do our work at the same time that they were doing theirs, which was pretty fortunate to be fair. Yeah. Um, yeah, we got sort of got a head start on everything. So we, we, we started construction before we officially started the lease. Right. They gave us a bit of leniency because of how long it took. Um, we also had some problems with getting planning permission through because of, I think, as we mentioned, we're very, very close to the river and the flood risk was a big issue. And it took 15 months in total to get the planning permission for this place. Wow. So that, that sort of put us back. We had to take a punt and just risk starting work on it. As the landlords did as well. Normally they wouldn't start before the planning's been granted, but they, they could see the issues. They knew it was able to be resolved, but trying to deal with, um, with planning and environment agency, it's a long process anyway, when they've got a three week lead time, but then you add homework in and people in isolation. Yeah, you're, getting, you're waiting two months to hear, oh, it's been declined again, try again. So yeah, it was, it, it was good fun. It feels like a million, million years ago now, if I'm being <laughs> honest, but yeah, it really was. Uh... We, we've obviously started attending events again, and there's people that knew us before. Um, we, we're trying to build the brand and the reputation again, um, but people have been like asking us, um, or, or saying to us, you've done really well to stay afloat. 
but it's, it's been a difficult time for the industry in general. And they've been saying, really sorry to me about everything that's gone off, but glad to see you're up and running. There's no exception for anyone else in the industry, really. We've all been in the same boat. Um, if anything, we've so been, we can't feel too hard done by, to be honest. Yeah. No, as much as it's been difficult, we've had none of the overhead heads that everyone else has. We didn't yeah. have staff because they were moving on to other things when we closed Cloud anyway. We had no rent to pay, we had no rates. The, the, a couple of bits that, that we had outgoing, but it, was, it wasn't a lot. So as much as it's been frustrating from a personal point of view, yeah, when people say, oh, it must be so hard, I'm like, it's not us you have to worry about. We've, we've been all right. Mm. But, yeah. I think it's a testament to how resilient uh, businesses and, and entrepreneurs are um, and can be, you know, to, to, to have, I mean, I've, 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 like we said earlier, like the last time I actually saw you guys was on that train to Liverpool at BRX yeah. in 2020. Um, but obviously, you know, I've, I've, I've driven by, I follow you guys on social media, um, you know, I've, I've seen and pitch towards the crowdfunding campaign and it's it's you know it's, it's amazing to actually be sat in this building right now you know and, and to hear everything you've gone through and, and and again all the way back to when i first got to know you and you you were setting up a brewery in that little space in that little room <laughs> you know you've still got your little tanks in there like see uni tanks now but we see we see really small now but like to, yeah. to see how you've come this far and to see in the in the middle of a pandemic it's, it's, it's pretty mind-boggling, really. And, I mean, the quality of this place is fantastic. Just for the benefit of the, the listeners, who I would highly recommend they come, like the, the arcade thing, like the, the grabbing machine with the cans in, you know, um, and the, the 2P machine. It's just, it's it all branded up and everything. It's amazing. Well done. Cheers. <laughs> it is, we haven't really had a chance to appreciate ourselves yet. <laughs> and no. it's, it's been weird because we spent so long building it um, in Clown, we spent four months um, pretty much full on, 17 hours a day doing it up. And all of a sudden we had the opening, we got people in, we were there to welcome people. Whereas here we've, we've now got a team of people and we weren't even here for our opening weekend. Right. Um, so we, we put a lot of trust in the team, a lot of trust in the management. And we, we haven't had chance to enjoy the place. Um, yeah, it, it still doesn't feel real. It doesn't feel like we've opened it. Even though we are operating, we are taking money, it's still really strange. Yeah, it does. We haven't even sat down and had a pint together, really, have we? We haven't Because there's been one. people in here that have wanted to just talk to us. But then likewise, I mean, we're not even here this weekend. We're I know. Next weekend, because we've got more festivals and all that. So it's just trying to keep, keep tabs of everything and hopefully at some point sit down and have a beer. <laughs> just yeah. yeah, enjoy it. But it is, it's all with the view of that we're, we, we need to grow the brand again. Yeah. We, we've built a business for so long where we're now trying to build a brand. Yeah. So, I mean, just, just talk about that for a moment because um, I, mean, I say this from my experience with Emmanuel's. After leaving Shepherd Brewery and I, I stopped brewing as much, I found since then um, resurrecting it, for want of a better word, has it proved a bit more difficult because I've still got pre-existing drinkers and fans but there's a lot of people that haven't heard of it before and is it, is it a similar thing like with, with the way that um, you stopped brewing as much for a while and you were out of clown and concentrating on this are you, are you finding that you're having to you, you've almost taken two steps forward and one back with the brand yeah 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 it, 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 when we first 
when we first started brewing about seven weeks ago or so, it did feel kind of like we were brewing, what, four times a week, just getting beer out there. We need beer for the tap room. I'm looking at all these kegs going, ah, how are we going to sell these? Because we can't put them all through here. We haven't got the storage for them all. But what we've, what we've done to start with, because we've still been busy building this place after we've been brewing, we've just worked with two distribution sort of partners. So we put a lot of trust in them to help us pretty much build that back. And in fairness to both of them, I'll put it this way, we've got no beer, pretty much. Right. So just uh, speaking to the, the team now saying, yeah, we need to, uh, we need to up production again. So we've got the 20 heck uni tank, so double batching into that. But yeah, it's just, it's difficult because there's so many new exciting breweries that have opened up in the last two years as well. Mm. So if you take your foot off that and you're not already this really recognizable brand, people move on and find, find other things. Yeah, we're, we're trying to get ourselves back out there. We're, we're attending a lot more festivals, um, but I suppose on the flip side of that, we're, we've also stayed in contact with some festivals that we were supposed to be on last year. Uh, so we've been re-invited re certain things. Um, and yeah, it's just how do we make sure that we're back on people's radars? Yeah. Um, because like I said to you, we've employed a team now. So if we're not selling beer, how do we pay these people? Yeah. And before you're an entrepreneur and own a business, you don't really ever really think of that. When you have a job, it's just kind of like the paycheck comes in and you're like, great, my, you know, I've been paid. Whereas like when you own the business and stuff, it's like crap, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, and, and then, um, you know, I've, but having said that, I think when you start to work for a small business, maybe like this, you, as an employee, you become acutely aware, you know, oh, yeah. you've really got to pull the weight a bit more. Well, we, we didn't pay ourselves for 12 months. Yeah. Um, when we were, when the pandemic hit, we were making sure that the staff were paid yep. in clown before we even paid ourselves. And I, I, yeah, I don't think I've paid myself for 12 months now. Yeah. And Still. It's the same here, it's like first, <laughs> first paycheck, because we, we had all these different opening dates. We announced it quite late because there were things that just weren't done. So we took on uh, the brewery team, were taken on about six weeks before we opened, and the bar team about three weeks before. If their first pay comes before we've even opened or anything like that. So just a case of making sure that they're looked after first, and then hopefully moving forward we can start to uh, yeah start to take take yeah. pay again. <laughs> yeah. So talk about the people you brought on your, your brew team and bar staff. Um, just do you want to go through brew team. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, on the brew team at the moment we've got. We weren't going to go out for a brew. I was going to take it on again. But realistically, with everything else that I do within the business, I cannot brew to capacity. And when we've got this many taps, we needed them full. So we actually went out for one brewer originally. And so the person who filled that role was Scott. Uh, Scott came from Abbeydale, but he's got a lot of experience. He was at Buxton and uh, I think Brewdog, the way he started about 10 years ago. Right. Uh, so we brought him on, but at the same time, we had another candidate who was really good. Um, and she came for interview, her name's Rachel. So she'd been working at Thornbridge at the time, but she'd been mainly on the uh, packaging line, but she really wanted to get into, into production brewing. And at the time when she was interviewed, I was really impressed with what she had to say. Her knowledge is just incredible. But I just felt if we're just gonna have one brew, I need somebody who really knows how to run everything rather than having a, like an assistant. Um, but in the end, we made the exception and we were like, we can bring her in on some kind of role, whether it's split on the bar, because you have bar experience, mm. 
and then you can get that practical experience within the brewery. Um, so that's what we did. We offered her a job and she, she's taken that, which is fantastic. And then we've ended up with a third as well because Chris is a barista by trade. That's he's known for. He's very, very good. Again, home brewer, wants to get into commercial brewing. They've all got um, the general certificate and stuff like that. So the knowledge is there. And again, the three of them together work really well because they've all got different ideas. They've all got different backgrounds. Um, again, Chris was supposed to be in on a split role. Yeah. Um, barista slash brewery operative. Mm. Um, but we, let, we gave them free reign first couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, just work together, find out how it's all going. We're not open, so we don't need Rachel on the bar. We don't need Chris um, in the like cafe area. And it, it's one of those things where we're like, shit, they're doing really well. <laughs> yeah. We're going to have to keep them all together. And they're all very, very good. Like, they, well, the, the kit's not massive, don't get me wrong, but it's all quite manual. They've had to deal with issues because it's been a storage. So those things are broken and we're replacing them. And, um, they just work around it. There's no complaints from them, and they're knocking out a lot of beer out of there, a lot more than I could have. So mm. overall, they they justify the positions that they've got, you know, yep. like as, in a full-time sense. So no, they're really good, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what what happens uh, in the future. Nice. So what what beers are on the cards at the moment? Have you got uh, tanks? So um, currently on tap, we've got a nitro chocolate stout. Um, that we did with bullion chocolate. Yeah, bullion chocolate. Uh, we've got a New World Belgian, which is like a Belgian New England IPA. Oh, um, nice. We've got... Uh, uh, related Thera, pale ale. Yeah, got pale ale. Uh, we've got spiced rye, which actually is uh, tasting really good. Not, we, we always wanted the taps here, we wanted to have a range of styles. Like we'll, yep. we, we brew our New England IPAs, we brew our dippers, we brew our sours and imperial stouts, but we wanted people to come in and they'd be able to try, I don't know, 10 different styles from us, whilst the rest of it will go into can and some of the other taps. We've got an American Browning. Um, again, that's coming out. I think it's being kegged in a moment. Got the Kolsch. Kolsch. Got a Pog Juice Sour. There's a Raspberry Sour. Yeah, everything and anything. We've got, we've got a big week coming up this week. Chris um, has come up with a New England recipe that he wants to try with the... Um, incognito. Yes. Yeah. In incognito, cryo, hops as well, uh, and T90s, so massive, yeah, big dry hop on that. That's, that's a sort of like pushing it out there just to see, just to see what we can do. How hoppy you can go. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I, I love that about the styles, and particularly with what you were saying earlier about it being like an American style tap room with, with having as many tap handles as, as you've got. It's, it's music to my ears hearing that you've got like a spice rye and American brown because when you go to tap rooms in the States, they, they do embrace quite a wide variety of different beer styles and classic beer styles. Whereas I think my observation of being in bars and tap rooms over here is it, it tends to be, there are still a lot of beer styles comparatively to what they used to be, but you do tend to get a lot of, oh, it's another hazy IPA another impy stout or another sour rather than embracing some of those particular malt driven beers yeah yeah mm. when, when we did the trip to the US um, I was specifically going for like different styles um, like a red yeah. like a rye like a brown and it's things you can make in the UK but they're not going to sell um, 
However, if you've got your own tap room, yep. you can sell them. So we thought, yeah, we'll make stuff we want to drink ourselves, and put it through more, the tap room. Yeah, people are more open to trying anything in, in the breweries, particular tap room, than if it's just on a tap in X, Y, and Z. But I'm probably putting myself out of some sales here. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, it's, it, that, that's exactly it. Like, that US culture, all the breweries went to some of them like big, like do amazing like New England IPAs, but they've got a brown on, or they've mm. got, I don't know, a bitter on. And yeah, it's just giving that sort of mix. Mm, yeah, I had a, um, an American porter from Barrier Brewing Co. the other day, and it was amazing, but it made me think, when I was drinking this beer, I'm like, I haven't seen many porters being brewed by craft brewers in the UK. I know you, you still come across porter on, in cask and stuff and more trad breweries but it just seems to be a, a style we, we've got a baltic good. porter lined up yeah nice <laughs> do like a good baltic porter yeah baltic porter i've got saison coming up uh, like a forage saison um, that's with top rope yeah yeah so yeah just a lot of things i have told the brewery team that i will bore them because we need new england ipas we need dippers we need to go back to some of the styles we've got but with the tap room it's just maintaining those styles and just trying something different yep yeah. So just going back to the pandemic and getting the business to where it is today, what was the biggest challenges for you guys personally during that period? Um, you know, is, is there one particular thing which kind of really pushed you to the edge and how, and how did you deal with that as a business owners? I think everything pushed us over the edge at some point. Yeah, I think... Pretty much from the start, just things were going going wrong. Um, stuff that's kind of outside of your control, which is worse. But eventually, you end up over that edge. That you just it doesn't matter. Nothing phases you anymore. So you kind of do. I don't know. Maybe you have this breakdown emotionally where something goes wrong. It's like, well, that's another thing that's gone wrong. Nothing. It's outside my control. There's nothing I can do about it. If it's something in our control, then we, we can we can deal with it. I think a lot of people have probably felt like that. There's so many plans that people have made that have been cancelled, and everyone's just like, well, everyone's in the same position in one way or another. Uh, just trying to think. I think it was when it, after the summer that we had, which was so hot, and it was uh, lovely, the roof was off, so it's quite nice being in here. Mm. And then it was just rain and rain and rain. You're in here freezing, like doing little bits that don't mean anything, but you're doing it because you feel like you need to be productive. Like, jet washing this floor to well we did have to do that but that took six weeks <laughs> and it was like oh my by the end of it you're just like this is and there's no sign of any work starting you're just doing it like it could all fall through at some point i've wasted six weeks doing this or you were doing the crane and that took eight yeah, weeks there were certain jobs where i just had to sit back and think why am i doing this is it ever going to end um yeah. eight weeks the crane eight weeks yeah yeah degrease two weeks to degrease two weeks to strip two weeks to paint with the undercoat and then two weeks to paint again. And it was just, just never ending. Jobs that you would never have done had it been on track normally because you can't dedicate that long. So yeah, I think, I think that was it. We've definitely picked up some irreparable health issues from this. Right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> old wow. building and all. So, I mean, what, what does the future hold for Heist? Where do you hope the business will be in like five years time? Still around, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah, still going. So we definitely want to grow, uh, grow the, the tap room, and ultimately the brewery we've got is too small now. So uh, what, what size did you say it was? It's a five-barrel kit, right? But we've got the twenty hectolitre fermenters. 
problem is, on the kit we've got, it's a two-vessel system, so to double batch into that is quite an effort. And when you've got 15 tabs to keep updated, you're taking two days out to brew one beer. Um, right. Yeah, it could be a bit of a challenge. So, so is that, that what you're doing at the moment? Yeah, wow. yeah. We, we've still got the five-barrel uh, uni tanks and stuff like that as well, but as I said, we brewed uh, an American pale, and it was kegs. Not Thursday, just gone Thursday before, and we run out. <laughs> the whole batch so I oversold to wholesale we did about 12 13 kegs uh, to wholesale and then the rest just went through the tap room we're going through like a keg of that every hour mm. in, in the tap room so it was always on the cards but yeah funds wise that was it was not we're not able to do that and obviously lenders look at us and go well, you haven't made any money since March so yeah of course you can't have any any cash uh, so yeah, it's just it's just working out where we go with that because we still we've got a lot of um, wholesale customers that we want to keep servicing uh, stuck with us a lot and we've got a lot of repeat customers so yeah I think upgrading the kit from a brewery perspective is is step number one yeah yeah I was trying to get back to a point where we were getting to um, in 2020 in a smaller location but with somewhere five times the size now yeah so ju just look at the brass tax there then taking the brew kit as an example like as, as entrepreneurs like how do you approach a problem like that so i would imagine there are a lot of business owners listed to this right now either with a similar capacity problem or, or or something else that needs funding but um i mean i know businesses that have taken a massive hit financially mm -hmm. because of covid and but now all of a sudden everyone's wanting to buy a beer and they need to package it and buy canning lines and all the rest of it like you know just just take me through like a, a conversation you'd have where you'd sit down at a table like this and, and start to thrash your ideas. Like, do you, how would you work through that kind of thing? I think key thing is just identifying the problem in the first place. Okay, we're running out of beer. Why are we running out of beer? So for instance, now, we had this conversation the other day, put that beer in, it's gone. Well, we're selling too much to wholesale, so that's fine. These are the beers we need to be double batching into the bigger tanks. The rest of it's all analytical and doing spreadsheets and profit and loss forecasts and just working it out. So when we took the two tanks on, they're, they're rentals from Ninkazi. Mm. Um, and it was a case of, right, what do these bring? Write it down, costs to brew into it. Are they gonna pay for themselves? I don't wanna be out of pocket just to brew a bit of extra beer. And you soon see that, okay, yeah, that, that will pay for itself. They'll, they'll pay for themselves. Um, and the same with canning line, we've sat down and sort of, Put the numbers together and had a look going well we're paying x amount um with contracts canners or we can pay x amount with thing but how many cans are we going to sell is it going to if i financed it would i be spending less per year paying for finance with the interest than i am paying someone else to do it so that's pretty much the way i do it i'm just that's very much numbers spreadsheets <laughs> Do you stay clear of spreadsheets, Adam? Or? Um, Dan's better with numbers, yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, we, we do sit down, go through um, just whether or not something's feasible. Um, how long is it going to take? Um, have we got the cash? If not, how do we get the cash? Yeah. Um, is it something we can get on finance? Is it something we need to buy it right? If it's something we need to buy it right, can we get it on finance? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, free up that cash flow. <clears throat> But yeah. but yeah, we've been quite cheeky with a number of people just to see what we can get out of them. Um, because, yeah, it's, it's been a difficult time, so we just need to make the most of what we've got. 
and yeah. whenever we can. I think, yeah. I think next six months, you're seeing where, where the industry ends up. So um, are we going to be going back into another lockdown at some point? Uh, you're switching from keg to can. Everyone keg, wants kegs at the moment. Then we don't need cans. And it's, I think it, we're just going through this correction at the moment where we're going to see things starting to, starting to fall back into regular patterns of consumer buying behaviour at least. Mm. Are they going to the pubs or are they still drinking at home? Or is it going to be a mix? Is the winter going to be the same as it usually is around Christmas? But I suppose we just have to keep doing what we're doing here up until Christmas and then really sit down and reassess it then. Yeah. I mean, it's a good question to ask though and, and, to, and to keep your options open and, and be having a, a disaster plan. Yeah. Um, because I think... And again, we didn't really know last summer, 2020, what was going to happen. But like I say, you know, it's the, the numbers came right down and we all thought, OK, things will be open for longer. And then before we knew it, it was like, we're, gonna, we're just going to have a short lockdown. I know it's going to be longer. Sorry, folks, it's going to keep going on. And it's yeah. just like, oh, my goodness. And then, you know, you just don't know come this coming winter what's going to happen, variants. You know, the government say there's not going to be another lockdown, but you just, you just don't know, do you? So it's... No. One of the bit of behaviour that we've changed from the outset here is not relying on payment terms from breweries, distributors and stuff like that and just paying everything pro forma. To know exactly how much cash we've got is massive. And now I know I've got to put a big order for kegs in, I've got to pay it straight away. Well, I don't have to worry in 30 days going, well, we had that Omnipolo tap takeover and I've got to find five grand to pay for it. It's, yeah, just trying to keep on top. So if, if disaster does strike, we've not got people chasing us or we're not putting other people in a position where, yeah, they're not getting the cash from us, really. Yeah, totally. So uh, can you reveal any exciting collabs you've got coming up? I know you guys are big on Got collabs. a fair few lined up. Yeah. Uh, home and away. Um, yeah, we just done, we did two last week. Uh, did one for, with Lock Lomans for their birthday collab series. Oh, they're great. Yeah. <laughs> what was it, what, I did see that online, what was it again? Quadruple Black that IPA. Oh, that was it. Now, I remember seeing my. I'm gonna to have to try that. <laughs> and then Adam and Rachel went to Nomadic in Leeds. Yeah, good brew day. Um, that is a blood orange pale. I think they're aiming for about seven percent. So it's a heavy pale. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, then upcoming, I'm just trying to think. We, we've got a lot. I know we've got Docks beers coming down. Um, we've got Grimsby, Top Rope, right? Grimsby, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Top Rope, Liverpool yeah. Way. Um, we've got Tooth and Claw, which is Middlesbrough Way. Yeah, Vocation. Um, vocation. Uh, Funky Fluid. Yeah, coming over from Poland. Funky Fluid. Yeah. Uh, there's loads, I can't think of them. Yeah. Where's the schedule? I'm still trying to sort out the uh, Mad Scientist collab as well. Um, but yeah, lots going on. So yeah. I keep saying, who's free this week to go down to a collab. Um, we're going to go down and do one with the uh, guys at Phantom as well down in Reading. Right. Uh, but again, it's just working out. As soon as I said to the brew team, like, we're very busy in October. And I'm like, we can go down, it's fine. But it's, it must be nice to be able to return the favour and have people here after so long. But mm -hmm. you guys yeah, going elsewhere to do collabs. 100%. And this is sort of our plan to become a bit more relevant again. Yeah. It's how we, made our, it's how we sort of made it in the first place, collaborations and stuff like that. And we've got the, we've got the room and the capacity here. We've got the tap room so we can take beer and we can do events and all that sort of stuff. 
Oh, we've got Full Circle coming as well in September. Oh, I love Full Circle. Yeah. It's, hello, Alex, if you listen to this. They're fantastic. <laughs> um, so, do, uh, two questions to end. The first one would be just off the back of this. Then, like, if you okay, it's a bit like fantasy football. Like, if you collab with any three breweries in the world, like, who would they be? Any three. Any three. <laughs> any three. Um, it would have to be Russian River. Do some big West Coast IPA. So, if any listens, <laughs> got a big tap room. We'll take, we'll take some here. <laughs> How about you? I don't want to do the generic, <laughs> like, big hitters, um, Trillium, Treehouse. But, yeah, they're, they're definitely someone that I'd want to collab with at some point. I don't want to, but I'm going to. <laughs> I'd like to. I'd like to. Yeah, so if you're listening, please. <laughs> um, and the third one, third one's difficult, because there are that many great breweries out there. I'm just trying to think um, what we've had recently that's really, really good. The uh, stuff from the US. Hidden Springs. Hidden Springs. Yeah, they do some really good sort of pastry sours and yeah, they're they're, like they're not your fuss guys in the UK. So you get you get a lot of the fuss beers. Yeah. Which everyone knows, everyone goes far. Um, if you haven't heard of Hidden Springs, try and find some. Craft Beer Junction in Bermondsey always has some. Uh, I've not heard of them, so I'll yeah. check that out. No, they're great. Really, really good beers. Have you guys come across um, Wildflower from Australia? No. Oh, check those. If you do a collab, it's all about like what um, wild fermentation stuff, but check them out. I mean, um, they're, they're quite hard to get hold of in the UK, but I, I got some a few months back, and they just are, oh, honestly. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. I'll have to look out. Wildflower. So good, yeah. I've thought of another one I'd like to collab with. Burial. Burial in, in North Carolina. Yeah. yeah but I'd like to colour with every brewery in Asheville. Right. <laughs> what about Heist? And spend in, a few weeks Charlotte. there. <laughs> yeah, Heist in Charlotte. Not had any uh, trademark disputes yet on that of you? Or? We are UK and European, to be fair, so. Uh, cool, and I guess the last question uh, before we round up is uh, where, uh, where do you guys see the beer industry heading over the next year or so? Hard seltzers. <laughs> um, again, it, it, it's, it's weird because we've been out of that sort of customer facing role for so long, we've just seen it as consumers, but I think people are more open to drinking at home, people who wouldn't necessarily, I remember we've had a few customers that said, oh, I'd never drink at home prior to this, and then they've been forced to. Everyone's built their own bar in the back garden, <laughs> threw a lot down. Yeah, so I think... Um, I think that'll have a, an uptake. Where else, I mean, style-wise, you can't see anything really deviating from the norm at the moment. I think that people want big sours. New England IPAs, I think, have been a good key of getting more people into beer that wouldn't necessarily be into beer mm -hmm. because it's quite an approachable style. So, I mean, we, we know from here that the sales through the Tilly, that's been the key the key thing when people want to start something else. I'm hoping that sort of the, at the back end of this uh, furlough um, that most people have weathered the storm and that, that they're, they're good and a bit more stable because so far it seems fairly encouraging that we haven't seen mass closures like a lot of people predicted at first. So yeah, just, just hoping that everyone gets through the back end of it yep. and 
people being more respectful to their servers, you know, but like just being a friendlier environment moving forward. Yeah, for sure. I'd like to see a lot more meads coming through. But more meads? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, I've got a lot of time for meads. I'm not too sure why it hasn't reached the UK yet. Seeing as though you see on Untapped all the top like breweries in the world and meaderies. I do think that's coming. Really? Sure. Yeah. I'm not on Untapped much these days, but um, I think I, I just, you know, yeah. I'm not going to go into that, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we discovered it again more recently at Brew London. Shout out to Gosnells. Yeah, sessionable mead. It's the future. Uh, see, I thought I went to um, Linda's farm the week before last and saw the mead there. And I was thinking, I wonder if we're doing Emmanuel's mead called, for Christmas called In the Bleak Mead Winter. Yes, love <laughs> so, it. So uh, I've got... To, I just generally base my beard styles and drink styles on names, what names it can pull up, puns it can pull out. That's a way of doing it, yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah, so. Cool, well, it's been amazing to, to come down and, and see this place finally open and stuff, so. Thanks for coming. Uh, yeah, you're more than welcome. So, uh, how, how can people find you guys and, and buy your beers and stuff? So, um, on socials, it's at Heist Brew, on everything, uh, Insta, Twitter, Facebook, Untapped, at Heist Brew. TikTok? Um, not yet. That's probably coming. We need someone younger that's more experienced with a hey, TikTok. No, TikTok's just full of, full of millennials now. It's fine. Um, no, not TikTok as yet. Uh, yeah, and heistbrewco.com. Um, we're doing our first canning run next week. We currently don't have any available, but we've got our gins, we'll have merch, we'll have cans, um, everything for sale on there. Fantastic, real. Or they can come along to the tap room and try and win some merch on the grabber or the 2P machine. <laughs> I'm just blown away by it still. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, thank you very much. Well, it's that time again at the bar for another week of the Hot 4 podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify and all other good platforms. Be sure to visit hotforward.beer to find out how we can help you get ahead in the brewing and beer business. We make your beer look as good as it tastes and we help you brew up a better business through branding, marketing and consultancy. Remember to follow us on social media at Hot Forward Beers and for another week. Cheers. Cheers.